I'm Charlie Wilmot. I'm David Todd. And welcome to the Bucks Dugout Podcast. Welcome to the Bucks Dugout Podcast. I'm Charlie Wilmoth here with David Todd. And the big news of the day is that the Pirates have released veteran starter Eric Bedard after uh, a very poor start against Milwaukee in which he allowed two three-run homers. His previous start against St. Louis was almost as bad. The previous one against San Diego wasn't particularly good. And you have to go all the way back to August 6th against Arizona to see him have a good start. And even the one before that against the Cubs, he allowed nine runs, eight earned. Um, so it's been a very frustrating few months for, for fans of the Pirates as Bedard's performance has been concerned. A lot of Pirates fans have been suggesting for a while that the Pirates get rid of Bedard, and finally they've done it. David, what's your take on it? Well, I think you were one of those guys, and maybe uh, maybe all of a sudden Neil and Clint are reading the Bucks Dugout. Uh, I don't think so. Bucksdugout.com, <laughs> as you had suggested it yesterday, happened to be incredibly prescient in terms of how things played out you know it's interesting we look at this staff and and uh you know i don't want to beat a broken record but i've been harping on it i think you've been harping on it as well is the theme has been i don't think the pirates have been going with their best 25 players now for for you know i'd say almost six to eight weeks and whether it was when they had Marte up well who they had on the end of the bench how long you stick with your starting pitchers the construction of the bullpen i think we've been relatively critical and i guess charlie what is uh i guess what i come to is fans all along say well this year was different that's what they were the the, the theme was but it wasn't really different and the question is you know when you raise the alarm bell uh as i think we might have a month ago People say, well, you know, there's no need to panic. There's no need to panic. Well, now you got to basically beat the hell out of the panic button because there's every reason to panic. And in my mind, it's a two-game season right now. If they split with the Cardinals here, they're in bad shape, but they're in the race. If they lose both games to the Cardinals, they're going to go into September basically five games behind the Cardinals. Uh, the division will be out of touch. And I'll pretty much put a fork in them. It doesn't mean that there's not percent, some percentage possibility of them making the playoffs. But if they lose these two games at home, they're pretty much toast in my book. And, uh, yes, I think some of that has to – a fair bit of that. Not all of it because I don't think they're a particularly great team to begin with. But a bit of that has to lie at the feet of the front office. Absolutely. And I, I think there's a, maybe a distinction to be made here between pressing the panic button and – you know, which which a lot of people were doing in a, in a way that I thought was a, a bit much a month ago, you know, with every loss saying, you know, this is it. This is where the season is going to come apart. And we saw we both saw a lot of that on Twitter. And I think that we can say that that, you know, that that stuff was maybe, you know, a bit over the top. But there's that. And then there's just suggesting basic things to improve uh, the pirate situation. And it seems to me that the pirates have been so complacent in the past month. Um, or maybe complacent is not the right word, but just overly conservative with the way they've handled their roster and the distribution of playing time. And it's, it's really hurt them. And you look at the players who have done badly over the past month, and it's, it's certainly not confined to just these guys, but, you know, it's Chad Qualls, it's Bedard, who, I mean, I guess I, I didn't even suggest the Pirates get rid of him until yesterday, so I can't really get too hard on them uh, about, about that. But it's Qualls, it's Bedard, it's Kevin Correa. It's Daniel McCutcheon, who was you know, coming into a, an important game and really messing up. It's Rod Barajas, who continues to play a whole lot. 
And, you know, you look at just all those things, all these all these veterans who don't have a whole lot of upside and there's just no need for them to be there. And the Pirates have just rode them as hard as they can. And now they've really paid the price for it. Uh, incredibly ironic. And and we I guess I mentioned this two weeks ago is is uh, Clint Barmas, small sample size and arbitrary endpoints aside in August has been playing better than he's played at any time in his tenure with the Pirates. And August seems to be the time when the Pirates are playing him less than they have all season long. Uh, I'm not a Barnum supporter, never have been. But just last night with the option of being uh, Josh Harrison or Clint Barmas when we thought Neil Walker was going to be in the lineup, uh, I was surprised with A.J. on the mound that they'd go with Josh Harrison. I'm not a Josh Harrison supporter either. So we're talking about the lesser of two evils. But Barmas has been hitting... Uh, I, I think maybe somebody pointed it out on Twitter that his batting average is better than uh, Walker's and McCutcheon's and Alvarez in the month of August, and his slugging average might be higher as well. Uh, he's not a good hitter, but if you're going to play the hot hand theory a little bit, now isn't exactly the time to be benching Clint, Clint Barmas, and it's not like you have alternatives, whereas I think some of the other guys we talk about, you do have alternatives. Yeah, exactly. That's that's why I didn't include Barmas in that list. I mean, I'm not a big fan of 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 his, but he does provide some value with the glove. And when you know you, you're talking about, you know, you take Barmas out of the lineup, you put Josh Harrison, and it's like, well, then there's nothing really to complain about because that's not really an improvement. So you know, with the the way he's hitting recently, I I can't really complain about Barmas. That's that's mostly fine. But it's it's some of these other guys who really get to me. I guess, Charlie, what I come to is, again, I'll look at the teams the Pirates are competing against. I think the Reds and the Dodgers are clearly, uh, excuse me, the Reds and the Cardinals are clearly better teams than the Pirates. Uh, This whole notion that people keep trying to spoon feed me on Twitter that uh, the Pirates are better at seven of the positions on the field and, you know, the Cardinals bullpen's no good. I mean, it's just... It's just a bunch of hogwash, basically. The Cardinals are a much better team with the Pirates. The Cardinals are probably a better team than the Reds, in my book, and the Reds are a much better team with the Pirates. I guess when we sit back, and we'll do this uh, certainly at the end of the year, is we have to say, what, what, was anom- what was anomalous about this season? And there's no question in my mind what we're going to come to is the fact that this team hit like they hit in June and July. That's the anomalous thing. Sure, they probably underperformed in, in April and May, and maybe they're underperforming a little bit in August. But one of the things I really have been focused on lately, and I was going to write about this, haven't gotten to it yet, is the Pirates were where they were on July 15th or August 1st. Pick whatever date you want. Because their five best players were their five best players, and they were playing uh, as well as they could play. Andrew McCutcheon, A.J. Burnett, James McDonald, uh, up until the All-Star break. Neil Walker, and I'll throw Garrett Jones in there, but mm-hmm. if you'd rather throw in Hanrahan and Grilly, that's fine. Whatever group you want. Those seven guys, their performance probably couldn't get better than what it was to that point in July. You know, you look at McCutcheon, National League Player of the Month in June and July. Neil Walker was unbelievable. Mike, Michael McHenry and Garrett Jones, unbelievable. Burnett winning every start at home. Grilly and Hanrahan never blowing a lead. Things couldn't get better. So, you know, for, for that to sustain itself, I think, was unrealistic. And unfortunately, what we've seen is a lot of what we saw early in the season is a lot of guys doing the same thing at the same time. And we've had big drop-offs in those guys. And so it, it, I just, none of this is really all that unexpected to me. 
I, I don't want to kill Neil Huntington in the sense that at the trade deadline, I think he did the right thing. I don't think this is a team that, that has ever been a player or two away from making the playoffs. I think the playoffs was a pipe dream at the beginning of the year. The Pirates had an unbelievable two months that brought it uh, at least into focus. And we're going to find out that they're going to finish five or six games out of the playoffs and still take a big step forward from 72 wins last year. I think that's I think that's right. And I think that the, the key is that you know, we've we've known this all year, and we've been saying this all year that this is not this is a probably a better team than we've seen from the Pirates in years past, but it's not by as much it's not by as much as the record indicated. So, you know, the fact that they're sort of coming apart now that is not necessarily a huge surprise. But you know, to me, from my perspective, I, I like their performance at the trading deadline because when you're talking about what's going to be happening in future seasons. You want to be able to build a contender, a competitive team that's going to be there for, for many years. And when you trade top prospects, as as the Pirates probably would have had to do to get a more marquee player, you know, you're getting yourself in trouble. Um, with that said, you and I know that this Pirates team is not as good as the Cardinals and the Reds. We've known that the entire year. I don't think there's ever been any doubt about that. And there's not there's no doubt in my mind that Neil Huntington knows that. Um, so with that in mind, what it seems strange to me is that, you know, to, to return to this horse I'm beating about the roster is, is that, you know, you, you go with these, um, kind of mediocre veterans as if you're this like hundred win team that's trying to hold on to a 10 game lead or something like that. When in reality, you're the upstart, you know, even if, you know, in late July, you may be in a playoff spot by a few games, the chances that you're going to stick there are not that great, as you said. So what you ought to do in that situation, I think, is is think about you know how August and September are going to be, have sort of an all-hands-on-deck attitude, and think outside the box to try to get people who can help you, especially when you have a bunch of guys in the minor leagues um, who could probably do that. And we, we know about the, the pitchers in Indianapolis. You know Those guys would all be uh, potentially a part of that. Um, but if that means, you know, using Justin Wilson in the bullpen um, or doing something really outside the box, like using Victor Black out of the bullpen or using Garrett Cole out of the bullpen or, or something even, you know, I, I'm just thinking of crazy things. So it's it's uh, it's dismaying to me that that the Pirates haven't apparently it hasn't occurred to them to do, you know, a little bit less crazy, more obvious things uh, and, with, and, with the minor league talent. Yeah. I hate to draw a parallel with with uh, Bryce Harper and Steve Trout and uh, Mike Trout. Because you you got one guy who's going to win the American League MVP and is having a season that is going to go down as one of the ten best maybe ever, and in the other you've got a, a guy who is maybe going to he's going to compete for the Rookie of the Year and is maybe one of the best young talents in the game. So it's not like the Pirates are looking at those, but you see what those young guys did to infuse. Uh, those lineups for some period of time and show they can belong. And I, I agree with you. Neither of us have been big Jeff Locke supporters, but when the guy came up here and threw 93 or 94, when the guy has dominated AAA like he has, and when you get continually bad starts out of the staff, and you know at this point, let's include AJ in there. As good as he's been, he has not been the go-to guy the last four times out. Hasn't really gotten it done. So uh, the bloom isn't off the rose. He's had a great year. But the the man, the myth, the legend, A.J. Burnett, is is maybe softened a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think you have to go to Locke. I wish they would have gone to LaRue a month ago and, and seen what these guys can do. I'm happy putting Wandy uh, out there every every fifth day. Jeff Carstens has earned the right to go out there every fifth day. But I'm not sure anybody else has. And, you know, I guess long term we'd like to see James McDonald 
get it together. And it was good to see him pitch well in one of his more recent starts. But, you know, it's tough right now. And they're in a, they are in a very difficult situation. They've got James McDonald taking the hill tonight with, you know, again, I'm not going to say quite the season on the line, but it certainly feels like uh, they're on the edge of the cliff. And, you know, I, I don't know what to say. I, I agree with you. I, I would think here down the stretch uh, when they can bring all these guys up, it'll be interesting to see what they do with playing time, how they allocate it, uh, how much Jose Tabata gets, how much Alex Presley gets. Because, you know, there's still holes, and the guys who seem to be the guys who are most ready are pitchers. And pitchers is kind of, you know, you have a lot of guys, that, certainly in the bullpen, who have earned the right to continue to go out there. So, you know, I don't know yeah. where it's going to go if they don't take the ball away from the starters. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's true. That you, you can't really point to the, the bullpen as being a, a sort of consistent problem. Um, you know, there, there was a time there when the Pirates seemed to have been wasting a couple of spots in their bullpen. But, but you're right. It is, it is sort of an issue when most of the talent is pitching. And, and the place you'd like to use pitching in, a, in, a, in a, a pennant race down the stretch or in a wild card race down the stretch is probably out of the bullpen. That is a little bit tricky. All right, so uh, David, we're we're coming back together here. We had a little bit of an intermission because uh, you had to take a call. So in the in the meantime, I've I've listened to everything we've recorded so far. It sounds incredibly negative to me, which I guess is kind of it's just where we are with the situation, but it's probably not, you know, 100% reflective of the Pirates' actual chances here. I mean, the fact is that there's still only a couple games out of a a, a playoff spot, and, and and if you can imagine a situation in which they had played worse and in say April and May, and now we're on the on the upswing and we're a couple games out of the playoff spot. We, we'd be pretty excited. So we need we need to we need to acknowledge that that the Pirates still have a shot here. It's just it's just been a, it's just been a rough month. Well, and I, I think that's a really important thing to say because you know the momentum in sports. You know the old saying, momentum in baseball is your next day starting pitcher. Momentum in sports, you see the problem for the Pirates is. They have played over the past two years as such a team of strings and momentum is not easily broken when they head in a certain direction. It seems to last not days, but months. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw it for the first two months, then the next two months. And, and now here we are in August. And and so maybe they're conditioning us as conditioning us as fans to kind of think the ship is going one direction. And boy, it's like an oil tanker. It's hard to change. But when it changes, it changes. And so, yeah, I think it's a fair point. Look. We'll get into the Neil Walker situation here, but they need their best players to be their best players. It's pretty simple. Andrew McCutcheon's got to play like the MVP. A.J. Burnett and James McDonald have to go out and throw kind of seven innings of two-run baseball, and they've got to have some other guys step up. And the guy who's, you know, surprisingly, maybe, maybe more so to some than others, but surprisingly the guy who's really been uh, one of the more consistent guys is Garrett Jones. We haven't seen Pedro have that kind of power surge that he's had at two different points during the season. We haven't seen any help from the corner outfielders, uh, maybe a little bit of on-base percentage from Travis Snyder since he was acquired. But, uh, you know, these guys need to play better, and it's that simple. And I've argued most of the season that most of these guys aren't really that good, but it doesn't mean they can't play better, and it doesn't mean they can't get some really good pitching performances. I'll be tremendously disappointed if they go to Kevin Correa as the other starter. But I like Wandy. I like uh, Burnett. I think J-Mac obviously has it in him. So they have guys, and Carson's has been probably the most consistent of the bunch for the last month. So they have an easy schedule down the stretch. It's not out of the question, but it's really, it can't be tomorrow. It's got to be, you know, starting now. Right. So to turn down to the Walker situation, he's still dealing with the effects of a, um, a back injury. Chase Darno called up today. 
in order to take uh, Eric Bedard's start on the roster. It sounds like what the Pirates will do is just reset the rotation after the off day on Thursday in order to skip um, what would have been Bedard's turn in the rotation. Do you, do you make anything at all out of, of Chase Darno being promoted, and what do you what do you see happening here? I'll say that good for Chase Darno because I was basically going to take him off the uh, the forty man roster basically uh, at the end of the year if he had, if he hadn't done what he's done over the last three weeks. I don't you know you need to see more than three weeks, but Chase Darno was having a an incredibly bad season, and his skill set was basically I'm fast. So now he's started to hit, so he's probably got a reprieve maybe stays on the 40-man roster. I don't think he's good enough uh, to play shortstop every day. He, he, You know, in a pennant race, he would be a very valuable guy, and I was just fully in favor of bringing him up because he's the one guy in the organization right now who looks like he can steal a base. He did it consistently last year. Uh, you look at the guys on the major league roster, they can't do it. You've got plenty of speed in those guys, and, and none of them do it well. And I'll tell you, Charlie, they just posted the lineup for today, and I thought I would I would see Chase Darno in the lineup. I really did. And I guess maybe I'm mildly disappointed he's not. Just because when a guy's hitting like that, if you're ever going to play the hot hand theory, why not throw him in the mix? But we're going to see Josh Harrison and Clint Barmas again as the keystone combination tonight. Pretty much the same lineup the Pirates rolled out last night with McHenry in there instead of Barajas. But, uh, you know, if Neil Walker's hurt for an extended period of time, the Pirates have a drop-off. It's as simple as that. And that's just one more of the one of the kind of top five bats in the lineup's not going to be there. And we know how challenged they've been offensively. So, <clears throat> you know, I'm not sure what more to say. Chase Darno is not a savior. But at, at this point, I think you said it to me once in the last week, uh, you know, Clint Hurdle's just basically, you know, pulling names out of a hat when he makes the lineup. <laughs> I can see Chase in there tonight. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we'll we'll have to see if he you know continues to stick with the team um, when Walker returns. I mean, I know rosters are going to expand, so that would certainly be a consideration. Um, but we, also, Indianapolis chasing a pennant, so who knows? Right. What's that? A pitcher is going to come up here, and it's just a question of how many days. You know, they can go with this lineup for three days, and then you can expand the roster. So uh, at that point, you know, it's going to be Clinton his band of merry men. I hope. I really. I know, you know, I know Neil's talked about not raiding the roster, but they've got to bring up five guys right away. You'd think so, but but we'll see. To, to turn now to uh, the, the the post you put up today about the the TV deal, a new TV deal involving ESPN that should bring in a bunch of extra money to uh, that will be divided evenly among all uh, major league teams, and it will feature the the actual programming will feature all all major league teams, including the Pirates. Uh, what did you make of that, David? You know, one of the things I, I will say is the ESPN's carrying the Pirates-Cardinals game tomorrow night, and let's hope the Pirates win tonight. But it is really ironic that last year when they decided to carry the two games, uh, the one with the Brewers and the one with the Reds, the Pirates the Pirates immediately went into a three-week tailspin before they got on national television. And it, it seems a little bit the same this year with this game with the Cardinals. But the thing about this is, you know, if you look five years ago and where Major League Baseball franchises were trading – uh, you know, you have X number. <clears throat> and now we see the last couple uh, transactions and certainly the Dodger transaction at, at around $2 billion. Guys have realized that this TV money is now extraordinary. So ESPN's new contract, which starts in 2014, goes from $307 million annually to $700 million annually. So for, if you're doing the math, it's about 133% increase roughly. And, and so each team is going to go from making 
something in the in the neighborhood of ten million dollars to twenty three million dollars annually, which is a thirteen million dollar annual bump uh, in the revenues they're going to receive with no concurrent expenses. When and if you uh, look at Greg Calcetero's post uh, and some of the other guys who have posted about when Fox and Fox and TBS TNT when they when they extend their contract. Uh, and I'm not sure the exact date when that contract's up, but he's talking about another $25 million potentially going to each team. We're talking about a bump in revenue, which falls all the way to the bottom line. So of $40 million. And it's just a year. A year. And it's just crazy when you think about the Pirates being at a, a roughly a 60, 55, $60 million payroll company. You immediately have to say, you know, I, I don't know how the players union is going to deal with this. I don't know how the owners are going to deal with this. It is a much bigger pie. It should be a win-win for everybody, but I don't necessarily see how it's advantageous or disadvantageous to the Pirates. It makes the numbers. Uh, you just wonder if there's going to be some level of fiscal austerity by owners or if it gets them any closer to a salary cap because the numbers are going to be so freaking vague. They're going to say, you know, how much can you pay an individual player? It's going to be interesting to watch. I'm, I'm, you, we know that now for a year or two, the, the smart people behind the industry saw this coming. But how they manage it is, uh, is a very interesting question. Why would, why would this lead to a fiscal austerity by the owners? Do you mean they're just going to pocket more of that money? Yeah, I mean, well, I guess it didn't with the Dodgers. We've seen them say, look, you know, if we can do this, why not spend every dollar? Maybe that's their attitude. And so they go take on $260 million in salary and say, look, we don't really care about making money. We have enough money. We're about winning championships. And, and you know, if you're a fan, that's nothing better than that. So uh, I don't know how it's going to play out. But, boy, you know, now Bob Nutting can go to, to $80 million and potentially make 20. I'm not this is not picking on Bob Nutting. But let's just say right now he's making $10 million a year and $60 million payroll. He can go. He can increase his payroll by 33% in the next couple of years, and, <clears throat> and make 30 million dollars a year. So, talking about like two or three years from the starting in 2014. Right. Um, well, interesting. I mean, it'll it'll be interesting to see how this how this plays out. You'd think that it would lead to a situation in which the payroll gap between a team like the Pirates and you know the bigger market teams would shrink a little bit since everybody's just getting the same amount so hopefully it'll it'll turn out to be a positive thing but i, I guess we won't know for several more years yeah yeah i, I wouldn't bet on it <laughs> <laughs> okay well you got any, any anything else for today yeah well let, you know let what, what's your thought here on the <clears throat> on the next week of games the pirates go tuesday wednesday with the cardinals wednesday on national tv and then they get their off day you know, when we're talking a week from now, where do they need to be to be in touch with this, uh, to be in touch in this race? I mean, I don't know. I mean, they, they really, I mean, we've we've all harped on it, but they really need to, to win these next two games against the Cardinals. I mean, that's the first thing. It wouldn't, it wouldn't totally knock them out of the race, obviously, if they were to just split them. But winning the next two would be great. And then, you know, doing something against the Brewers simply because the schedule gets a lot easier after that. Now that the Brewers are super tough, but you got six against the Astros and the Cubs after that. And, you know, hopefully you can make hay with that at that point. But, you know, at this point, it's it's been really difficult. You know, it's funny. This, this year, I think that as a blogger, I kind of do more every year and not, you know, even really think about that this is more work or something. It's just somehow you think of new things to do and... and and things get added, and, and this year one of the things that's gotten added is just 
a lot, you know, in, increased attention to the schedule, what's coming up next week and 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 next month, and and knowing how things are going to play out that way. Because when I do radio interviews or whatever, people are asking me about that in ways they never did before. I mean, we've got so much scrutiny on what's what's coming up in the next week, the next two weeks, because people are watching with that kind of attention in a way that that we're just not used to. Um, but at this point, when things are just sort of hanging by a thread and and you can just sense that that, you know, analytically, we may not feel this way. But as fans, I think we both feel like things are just coming apart and it's just, you know, completely on the edge of going to hell. It's it's really hard to have that same degree of attention to Oh, they've got series against the Brewers and Astros coming up. And and what does that mean? And how exciting is that at this point? I think we're, we're both just hoping for can you guys just play well? You know, it doesn't even who the opponent is doesn't even really seem to matter at this point. They could they could play the Astros and face against face off against Lucas Harrell for all three games, and and still it feels like they would find a way to struggle. Um, and you know, at this point, they just need to pull it together. And it, it, their opponent less matters, it seems to me, less than you know, just play better. Yeah, I, I think it's well said. I mean, the I you know. It's such an easy correlation to draw, and I'm going to draw it. I don't know if it's meaningful at all. Uh, I'll just say I'm going to have Clint Hurdle on on uh, the initial uh, show that I have tomorrow at 2:20 on 970 ESPN, and I'm going to ask him this question. But after the 19 inning game last year, they went one in ten. They're one in six right now after a 19 inning game. They got two games with the Cardinals, and they go to Milwaukee. I said when they started the series, the last series, they with the Brewers at home and St. Louis at home, if they lost five or six, the season's over. They've lost three or four. They're going to go to Milwaukee, which has been a tough place for them to win. But you said it right. I mean, if they can right the ship here and play, you know, five good games against the Cardinals and the Brewers and win three out of five, uh, then they get the Astros and the Cubs at home. Okay, well, look, I don't think it's all going to happen. But it certainly is worth the conversation, and there's certainly still a modicum of hope out there. Their playoff chances, according to baseball perspective, have gone twenty down 28.6 percentage points just in the past week, and they're now down to 12%. They were at 40 uh, a week ago. The Cardinals, conversely, have gone up 34.5 uh, percentage points, so they're up to like 80, 75, or 80 percent, whatever the number was. Uh, we've seen fortunes change dramatically in the past week, but the Pirates need to start with the teams that they're competing directly against. And you know, unfortunately, or fortunately, or unfortunately, however, however you want to look at it, these two uh, these two games with, with uh, St. Louis are monstrous. Yeah, and I, I picked on. Uh, I, I just want to say as a as a footnote that I put I picked on Lucas Harrell. That was the wrong guy to pick on. He's actually been the Astros' best pitcher this year. I think the guy I meant is that lefty. Uh, yeah, um, right. Right, Keiko, right? That's how you pronounce it. Anyway, um, okay, I guess this is a good, as good a place as any to, to end it. Thanks for listening to the Bucks Dugout podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, Bucks Dugout. Follow David on Twitter at DT on Pirates. And you can and, catch me from now on on 970 ESPN, 2 to 4. 2 to 3 will be uh, three to four will be Steelers talk, but you get the first hour, there'll be plenty of Pirates talk if you want to get involved. Clint Hurdle tomorrow, 2.20. Absolutely. Thanks for listening.